Your On The Mark podcast is loading now. The On The Mark podcast is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company, family-owned dealership since 1915, 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia on Routes 11 and 15 Hummel's Wharf. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1 800 795 9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark. Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Well, that's not exactly true. Mark Lawrence has another obligation this morning, so Steve Kushaloff has graciously consented to come in and do battle with me on topics political. Good morning, Stephen. They dragged me kicking and screaming. (laughs) Well, you're usually kicking and screaming, but that's about political stuff, not about just actually coming in here. Always a pleasure to do battle with you. And it's good to see your smiling face as well this morning. And we have two very special guests from PennDOT. We're going to talk about the Susquehanna Valley Thruway Transportation Project and where we stand and what's going to happen next. And we'll introduce them in just a minute after we tell you that On the Mark is brought to you by the Sunbury Motor Company, a family-owned dealership since 1915. Fourth Streets in Sunbury, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's War. Find out lots more about them at www.sunburymotors.com. They invite you to visit the Lane on North 4th Street in Sunbury, where they specialize in all types of service on vehicles, state inspection, and nitrogen for tires, and they're open Monday through Friday, 6.30 a.m. till 6 p.m., and Saturday, 6.30 a.m. till 2 p.m. Find them on the web at www.sunburymotors.com. What do they sell at the Sunbury Motor Company? They sell Ford, Hyundai, Kia cars. They're the premier service provider for all makes of cars and trucks, and all sizes of trucks, and they're a master towing service with decades of experience. Our toll-free hotline number is 1-800-795-9565, and you can email us at onthemark at wkok.com this morning. And as I said, we had two special guests in the studio this morning that are going to talk to us about the Susquehanna Valley Thruway Project. They are Colin McNeil, who is a transportation construction manager, and he'll be talking about the northern section, and Matt Beck, who is the assistant plans engineer, and he'll be discussing the southern section. So, Matt, Colin, it's great to have you with us this morning. It's good to see you in person. It's good to see anybody in person. You're the first guest we've had in here in a while. <laughs> well, thanks Thank for having you. us, Joe. Well, the, the northern section of the project is almost completed. I mean, it's pretty well far far underway uh, compared to the southern section. So let's start with what's happening in the north, Colin. Okay, so right now we are um, finishing up the concrete paving uh, for the season. Uh, they'll have the concrete um, placed here by the end of the month, and we will start with overlaying all of the concrete with asphalt. So what percentage of that project is done? It's about uh, 50% complete. That part? Yes. But the bridge is totally done, right? Bridge is 100% complete. What, um, I mean, are you doing, do you have to do maintenance on it now? Or, I mean, is it pretty much good until everything opens up? Or does it require, what's it require for ongoing care and maintenance, if you will? Um, as of right now, there's no maintenance requirements. Um, you know, we'll have future maintenance once the project's opened up. Did everything go well with respect to costs and time? I mean, any, any delays, any problems? Everything's on budget. Um, you know, we're, we're right on schedule with with the project completion. Okay. So, what time do you what what date? If you had to pick a date, do you think that the grand opening will be for the river bridge and the uh, approaches to it? Boy, that's a tough question. Um, you know, right now we're expecting everything to be opened up uh, late next year. 
late next year. So you mean December or maybe November, October, September? Sometime in the fall. Sometime in the fall, okay. Uh, what are your plans for the grand opening? Do you have any? Are you working on that now? You know, we're still a ways away from that, so we're going to give it some thought here over the winter and, and develop um, plans for the opening. Once it opens, I mean, what what does PennDOT do, let's say, when, you know, you now have this brand-new facility. It's opened up. You have some assumptions about what's going to happen when the entire project is completed. But what assumptions are you making with respect to traffic counts and things like that for just opening this northern section, this bridge? What do you think the impact will be uh, on other communities, or what are you expecting to have happen when that bridge opens? I think we're expecting to have um, a lot of the traffic that currently uses 147 um, to, you know, begin to use the, the bridge in the new section of roadway. Um, in addition, traffic that's currently traveling up 15 through Lewisburg uh, would also be using the new roadway. Any idea what the traffic count will be over that? That I do not know. Okay. But you are expecting that, that, that it will take some pressure off Northumberland and off Lewisburg? That's what we anticipate. I'm sure they'll be glad to hear that in Lewisburg. <laughs> okay. Anything else you want to tell us about the northern section? No, uh, we're just, you know, we're we're moving right along. Um, you know, everything's going going well, and we're on schedule to, you know, get this project completed sometime next year. So the largest part of your work is now done or winding down, but on the other hand, Matt's part is really just about firing up. You, you're in the final design phase, right? Right. We're in the, the final design phase of the southern section, which uh, before too long will be uh, starting to wind down as we hand things off the construction and we actually see earth moving in the, the not too distant future on the southern section. Um, like I said, we're, we're in the final design phase. That means that we're working on uh, the preparation of final plans and construction bidding documents. Uh, we're working on right-of-way acquisitions utility relocations, and permitting. Uh, and ultimately, we expect to, to be able to work through those activities to allow construction to start next year on the southern section. So, Matt, if you would, uh, for people like me who haven't really followed it terribly closely since it started, really. I mean, at the beginning, I followed it very closely, but now it's like, okay, let PennDOT do its thing. So you're talking about the southern section. Just for... Um, just describe exactly, you know, what the southern section will do, the layout, et cetera. Sure. So when we refer to the southern section, we're talking about the portion of the CSVT project overall that will connect routes 11 and 15 uh, just north of Sealands Grove at the existing partial interchange with Route 522. Uh, it'll connect 11 and 15 from that point. Uh, up to Route 15 just south of Winfield at the new interchange that's being constructed, uh, you know, that you, you drive through now on Route 15. Okay. So what a lot of people may not realize is that Route 11 is still going to be Route 11 through Shimoka Dam and through Monroe Township and Hummel's Wharf, and that it will also become Business Route 15. And then, uh, so you will have some impact, or, you know, the traffic impact on the bypass, you have an estimated number of cars you think are going to use the bypass. Do you know what that is offhand? Uh, in the southern section, you know, uh, looking out 20 years as we typically do for traffic projections, I think it's in the neighborhood of around 60,000 vehicles a day. Okay. And then on, I know from having asked the question for another purpose that right now you estimate there's some 50,000 vehicles a day coming up Route 11 and 15. What do you think that will be once the, uh, once the bypass is completed? How is that impacted? 
And those numbers immediately upon opening are a little bit harder to project because it's hard to tell, you know, how quickly people are going to adjust to the new highway and, and start to use it. Um, you know, that's why we focus on projections 20 years out from the completion of a project. Um, we anticipate that uh, 20 years after CSVT is opened, that the, the traffic on existing routes 11 and 15 will still be in that 40 to 50,000 vehicles per day neighborhood. And that really is what illustrates the need for the bypass, that uh, you know there's right. going to be 60,000 vehicles a day on the new highway, and uh, the, the existing roads will be uh, grown back up at that point close to their existing volumes. But the truck traffic should be greatly diminished, don't you think? It should be, right. I mean, that's the, the major purpose of the project is to pull that through traffic and truck traffic particularly off existing roads and onto the, the new four-lane highway. Well, I, know, I know some people when they when you hear, oh, they're bypassing the community, say, oh, it's going to be a ghost town, but that's not likely to happen here at all, is it? No, we don't expect that. Like I said, we, we uh, our traffic projections show those volumes 20 years out, uh, getting back to existing volumes. Um, and I, I know from working with you and others at the chamber, Joe, there's uh, pretty good confidence that just reducing the congestion through the area is going to allow people to get where they're looking to go on, on the Golden Strip easier and, and uh, you know, may encourage commerce that way. Yeah, we did a survey uh, a couple years ago with respect to the business communities in the affected area, and we asked them what they, what, how they felt about what was going to happen afterwards. And the overwhelming majority of them, I think there are only two who were worried about a lack of, uh, of, of traffic through the area, and one was a fast food franchise and one was a car wash. But uh, the others all felt that they were going to see an increase in business because some people are hesitant to go out on that highway right now because of all the truck traffic, we had that terrible accident uh, last year, the year about two years ago, where a gentleman was uh, killed when a truck hit him from behind. You know, we have a lot of accident calls on 11 and 15 right now. Many of them involve trucks, and that they just are not likely to be there. But there's some talk, though, about. Um, um, you know, the fact that you're going to be working 24 hours a day on this project. Now, you had the option, I know you laid it out for us at the chamber, of um, a couple of different options, working a standard 10-hour shift, working a 10-hour shift uh, twice a day, and then with some time off, and then, um, well, I think there was a third option that escapes me at the moment. Yeah, we looked at uh, conventional nighttime construction, uh, as one option, we looked at uh, two reduced shifts, you know, avoiding work during uh, the heart of the nighttime hours from 11 p.m. to 5 a.m., and then we looked at a, a single 10-hour shift each day. Uh, and what we found is the, the conventional uh, night work of two full shifts each day um, allows the project to be completed in 2027 as we've been targeting for the project. And going with two reduced shifts or a sh single shift would most likely push the project completion out to at least 2028. Uh, you know, so we feel pretty strongly that it makes sense to allow those two full shifts. Uh, we'll get the project done in 2027 as we've been targeting, and just overall have one less year of noise and disturbance in general. Um, there, that makes construction more cost-effective because the, the large earth-moving equipment doesn't have to be rented for as long, uh, and it just seems like the, the decision that makes sense for the project overall. But there will be some activities that you will not have the contractor doing at night, right? That's true, right. Uh, there will be no blasting at night. There will be no pile driving at night. Uh, the major benefit is that the or the major activity will be earth-moving, you know, using that uh, large equipment to move 
uh, excavated material to place it as embankment somewhere else. Now, I know that a lot of people always think of when uh, construction that beep, beep, beep from things backing up, but you've got a plan for that, right? Right. We do uh, We do have a plan for that because that is the most common complaint that we get uh, related to construction activities at night, that uh, single tone piercing backup alarm. Uh, so for this project, we plan to use a, a relatively new technology uh, that uh, involves directional white noise backup alarms uh, that are... are uh, don't they don't use that single tone piercing noise uh, they use a more focused white noise that uh, is meant to focus the noise in the area where it's needed more directly behind the vehicle it doesn't send that noise out in in all directions well i will say the pendot's been very very good uh, dave hamlet and you guys working with the municipalities letting them know what's likely to happen seeking their input um, you know i know in shimokin dam we've been concerned about the fact that uh, the Orchard Hills uh, section is a right now a cul-de-sac and that you're going to actually be closing uh, doing some major work on the ramps in the borough. Would you tell us what your plans are for that and how that's how that's going to impact traffic coming from Sunbury and traffic trying to you know use the current uh, uh, bridge across the river? Yeah, and those those are details that aren't quite finalized yet related to the the traffic impacts as that works being completed. Um, just to, to step back a moment, we plan to complete the overall construction of the southern section through three contracts. Uh, the first contract that we expect to start next year will be for the earth moving. A couple of years down the road, we'll have a second contract to build the new structures, the bridges involved with the, the southern section. And then a couple of years after that, we'll have a third and final contract for the paving of the new highway and the, the work along the existing roadways uh, to tie in those interchanges. And I think that's the area that you're talking about, Joe. Uh, you know, how is traffic going to be impacted um, as work's being done in the the area of the 61 connector interchange in the borough? Um, at this point, one thing I can say is that we do plan to have the CSVT mainline highway open to traffic before that work's complete uh, to minimize the the impact on traffic on that existing roadway. Uh, but there, there will be reconfiguration of the ramps in that area to provide a full interchange between CSVT and existing routes 11 and 15. Okay, so right now there's a there's a stoplight at uh, where the old Kmart location is. Now it's WNL Subaru, right. uh, not Subaru, but WNL Nissan and uh, Skeeters. There's a light at the intersection of 11 and 15. There's a light at Baldwin Boulevard, and Correct. then there's a light at 8th Avenue and 11th. There's going to be how many additional traffic signals? In that area, there will be one new signal added between uh, 8th Avenue and Baldwin Boulevard to uh, accommodate the ramp connections between that Route 61 connector interchange with 11 and 15. Well, right now, it's illegal to make a left-hand turn coming down off of uh, the exit ramp from the Veterans Memorial Bridge. But, you know, that that pattern is likely to change, too, isn't it? No. The, the plan for traffic coming from Sunbury looking to head south on existing 11 and 15 uh, is that that traffic will continue past existing routes 11 and 15, and then there'll be an exit ramp where they're able to, to loop around and take a travel a short distance back to 11 and 15 and make a right turn to head south. 
And there's going to be something new added that we haven't seen around here since the days of the old traffic circle on routes 11 and 15, but there are actually going to be traffic circles in Monroe Township. Roundabouts. Right? Round, I'm sorry, roundabouts. Yep, we call them roundabouts nowadays. <laughs> there will be Looks like a traffic circle to me, but go ahead. There will be two roundabouts installed in Monroe Township in the area of uh, Mill, App, and Airport Road. Um, that those local roads will be reconfigured to accommodate the the new four-lane CSVT highway crossing through that area, and uh, the intersection of those roads will be reconfigured into to two roundabouts, one on both sides of CSVT. Well, that you know that should be interesting. I I'll, I'll be very 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 interested to see how people adapt to that. You know, and and your studies have found that they do actually adapt fairly quickly and actually prefer it at later on. Yeah, there, there is often opposition up front to roundabouts uh, because people aren't familiar with them. But, uh, you know, across the state, as we've been installing more of them over recent years, we do find that the public tends to prefer them after they've driven, driven through them. And statistics are pretty overwhelming that they have a huge safety benefit, that they reduce the number of crashes and, and especially the severity of crashes at intersections. And uh, aren't there roundabouts uh, in, the, in Williamsport? I know whenever I'm, whenever I'm trying to go from uh, the Golden Strip in Williamsport into the city, uh, it seems like there's at least one or two roundabouts yep. I have to deal with, and they don't seem to be too difficult. Yep, there are a series of roundabouts on uh, Via Bella Drive, yeah, that's what uh, I'm thinking. adjacent to Interstate 180. Right, yep. and if you drive to, if you're in New Jersey and you're driving to the beach, that's, you're going through roundabouts. Right. So. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, once you once you actually get started, I know that there is going to be some modification to the bridge work over 11 and 15 in the Borough Shemokin Dam. But what about at the Sealands Grove end? Uh, are you going to do have to do anything there? I mean, there's been a lot of talk about reconfiguring that ramp, and so we'll, that'll be our final question for you. <laughs> yep, so there will be work at the uh, existing routes 11 and 15 interchange just north of Sealands Grove. Uh, the bridge work there won't be as substantial as the bridge work up in sh in the borough, uh, but there will be some work done uh, while that interchange is being tied in. Um, and there will be reconfiguration work on existing routes 11 and 15 and 522 as well to, again, to tie the new interchange ramps into those existing roads. We're talking to Colin McNeil and Matt Beck from PennDOT. Uh, Matt's talking at the moment. He's the Assistant District Plans Engineer. He's discussing the new southern section of the Susquehanna Valley Thruway Project, and Colin had talked about the northern section, and uh, almost a lot of that is already done. So we've got to take a quick break, and we'll be back with more in just a moment. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. 
Welcome back to On the Mark. I'm Joe McGranahan, along with Steve Kushaloff. Our guests are Colin McNeil, who is a transportation construction manager for PennDOT, and Matt Beck, who is the assistant plant district plans engineer. We're discussing the Susquehanna Valley Transportation Project, or the throughway, or the bypass, or whatever you want to call it. It goes by a lot of different names, but it's a huge undertaking. Last time I heard it was, what, $650 million, or has it gone up from there? It went up from there, didn't it? Yeah, it had gone up from there a couple of years ago. Our Current estimated total cost is eight hundred and sixty-five. Eight hundred sixty-five. Okay, that's right. I that was in my head, but I six fifty was kind of like what I thought, you know, was going to be. And you realize what a major investment that is in rural Pennsylvania. You know that this basically will complete routes eleven and fifteen from the Maryland border to New York, right? Right, it'll complete that long-standing missing link. Right, that's going to be a major improvement. Look, you guys, is there anything we haven't asked you? I know that there. I'm trying to remember the concerns that we've heard from people. One of them was, what's going to happen if there's accidents or there are fires, and uh, fire, emergency equipment has to get somewhere during construction. I know you've worked closely with the EMA people. Tell us what what you have in mind there. Yeah, throughout final design of the southern section, we've coordinated with emergency responders to uh, make them aware of where our construction access points are going to be uh, and just to see if they have any concerns that we might be missing. Uh, we certainly plan to continue that coordination during construction too and we'll be meeting with them on a, a regular at least annual basis to um, you know, make them aware of where our work is planned over the, the upcoming year and, and again to just stay in touch and make sure we're addressing any concerns they have. Well, I've been very impressed, I must admit, with all the things you've done as far as public outreach goes. And, and I know you've, you've explained to people uh, how your policies work with respect to taking and um, eminent domain and acquiring the rights of way. Where does that all stand now? We're working through right-of-way acquisitions for the southern section. Uh, at this point, we've settled about 70% uh, of the claims required for the project. Uh, you know, we continue to work through... Uh, the remaining 30 percent, uh, our appraisals are mostly complete, and at this point we're working with the property owners, answering questions they have about the project and, and where we can, trying to address concerns. Well, I know you've had issues crop up, uh, the acid rock issue. Certainly the major stumbling block was the fact that the ash basins, which you hope to use to avoid uh, taking any, uh, what, people's homes or, you know, minimizing to a great extent the number of takings you had to have, but that didn't work out. Uh, you want to explain that a little bit in case anybody doesn't remember that? That's why uh, Steve asked you off mic about why the project was a little delayed, and this is certainly one of the major reasons. Right, the, the ash basin challenge was uh, probably the biggest challenge that we uh, had to work through during final design of the southern section. Uh, ultimately, the highway had been planned across those ash basins to minimize impacts to, uh, envir or to environmentally sensitive areas, to residences, like you mentioned, Joe. Uh, but when we did our geotechnical studies during final design, we found unexpected conditions and, and ultimately that uh, saturated fly ash we found just wouldn't be able to support the highway. Uh, so we spent a couple of years working through studies to look at alternate routes. Uh, we certainly involved the public and had a series of public meetings to get input on those routes. And again, after a couple of years, we had uh, selected a, a new route around the ash basins and were able to, to get fully back into final design. 
Well, I, re- I always remember that they said that the ground was the consistency of a milkshake in that area. Right, milkshake or toothpaste is <laughs> the term our geotechnical engineers have liked to use. Yeah, I, but I think even there, the public may not realize how much effort you also put into to trying to find out if there was a way that could be used. You know, you didn't just stop and say, we can't do this. You looked at how it might be done. We did look at uh, a series of options to, to try to avoid having to modify the route. Uh, we looked at potential improvements within the ash. We looked at uh, potential for bridging over the ash or even removing it, and uh, none of those ultimately would have been cost-effective or would have completely completely eliminated the risks that we're ultimately avoiding by going around the ash basins. And then you found acid rock, and that's not something that runs on radio stations. This is a different kind of acid rock, right? Right. Those, uh, those geotechnical studies, again, during final design in a, a slightly southern area of the project also found... Uh, rock formations that have the potential to produce acid runoff. Um, So with that information, we looked at a a smaller alignment shift uh, to minimize that impact. Uh, We were able to shift the alignment just slightly and and greatly reduce the amount of impact to those acid rock formations. Um, That was a, a challenge that we worked through at the same time as the ash basin challenge, although in that case it was a little bit more straightforward. And then, of course, there was the Spadefoot Toad and the Indian Native American artifacts. You had to be sensitive to those, and that those studies took quite a while, too, didn't they? Right. Uh, studying environmental features and potential impacts to, to resources like endangered species or uh, cultural resources like archaeology sites uh, certainly take a lot of time, and, and those are the types of things that we were considering as we evaluated alternate routes around the ash basins. You, ha- you almost have to ask the question, how much money could have been saved if those weren't considerations? Yeah, that's hard to put a number on, <laughs> but uh, those those types of studies certainly uh, increase the design costs associated with a project like this. Well, I think you guys have done, and I'm, Mark always says I'm a shield for PennDOT, but I think you guys have done a great job. I've been very impressed with how sensitive you are to public opinion, getting people's input and feedback on how the project should look and what kind of things should be considered. I, mean, I think you've done an outstanding job, and I know we've been delayed from where we expected to be, but you know, I think we're in good hands. Matt, uh, Colin, thank you so much for being with us today. Really appreciate your time. Good to see you. Sure. Thanks thank again you. for having us. Thanks. We'll be back with more of On the Mark after we take a break for the news. You're listening to WKOK, Sunbury, Pennsylvania. Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1-800-795-9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here's your host for On the Mark, Joe McGranahan. Thank you and welcome back on board. With me today is Steve Kushloff as Mark Lawrence has another obligation he has to fulfill, so he's off doing that. Steve and I will hold down the fort. On the Mark is brought to you by the Sunbury Motor Company. 
Check them out at www.sunburymotors.com. Our toll-free line is open, and we do have almost open, completely open phones this morning, 1-800-795-9565, or email us at onthemarketwkok.com. As I said before, On the Mark is brought to you by the Sunbury Motor Company, where they sell Ford, Hyundai, and Kia cars. They're the premier service provider for all makes of cars and trucks and all sizes of trucks, and they're a master towing service with decades of experience. You can find them on the web at www.sunburymotors.com. Check out their online specials, and you can build a Ford, build a Ford car, or truck to your specifications. Click on a coupon for the Works Fuel Saver package. They invite you to visit the Quick Lane on North 4th Street in Sunbury, where they specialize in all types of service on vehicles, state inspection, and nitrogen for your tires. They're open Monday through Friday, 6.30 a.m. to 6 p.m., Saturday, 6.30 a.m. till 2 p.m. The Sunbury Motor Company. In the news headlines this morning, as the Milton School Board meeting last night, the board decided to keep masking optional at all their schools. They conducted a poll of the student body, parents, and staff, including more than 1,300 participants. Nearly 75% voted to keep masking optional, although that number dropped to 58% in the case of the high COVID spread. Parent Karen Bodorf addressed the board, applauding the district, but stating she will disenroll her child if masking is mandated. She said, I love Milton and all of our teachers. My hat's off to them for everything they've done over the last 18 months. They should be applauded for their efforts. Even so, we won't send our daughter to school to be masked all year long. It should be a personal choice. For some Pennsylvania state employees, vaccine or test is the latest mandate from Governor Tom Wolf. In a news conference Tuesday, the governor announced that state employees in state health care facilities and high-risk congregate care facilities will be required to be fully vaccinated against the COVID virus by September 7th. The initiative will affect approximately 25,000 employees working in 24-hour operated state facilities, including state hospitals, state homes for people with intellectual disabilities, veterans' homes, community health centers, and state correctional institutions. The governor said there will be an incentive for folks who get the jab. And uh, locally, there were 16 new cases with seven in Northumberland County. Geisinger and Danville is now treating 10 COVID patients with four in the ICU and one on a ventilator. Geisinger Shimoka now has four patients, including one in the ICU. And Evangelical Community Hospital continues treating two patients with COVID. That's our look at the news headlines this morning. And now, Steve. Oh, here we go. Yes, sir. <laughs> well, we have a call. Yes, we are. <laughs> I was going to start off with saying how <laughs> how terribly disappointed you must be in the mess Biden's making at the border. Oh, Lord. Even the I, Washington Post is on him. Yeah. Are you ready to finally admit that bipartisanship is alive and well? 19 Republicans oh, voted for the infra- infrastructure bill. And that's a great bill. But then what are they doing on the other side? Oh. This, this budget bill, they're trying to jam it through and reconcile and the, the parliamentarian is going to have to be tough. She's going to have to rule that a lot of this stuff has nothing to do with the budget. Well, I don't know there. about that. We yeah. can, whatever. But uh, we, ha- we are a long way between yesterday when they, the, the Democrats passed the $3.5 trillion budget bill and the end of that. I know. It's got a long way to go. Right. But we have Mike from Bloomsburg on this morning. Mike, good morning, sir. You're on the mark. Hey, good morning. Thanks for taking my call. I'm uh, walking, so I'm a little out of breath. But I wanted to uh, talk about just two things quickly. One is yesterday I spoke about how 
the, the news is now the Democrat narrative. And this morning it started again when the Democrats came out and they decided they're going to blame inflation on gas companies gouging consumers. Okay, And that's just the beginning. Uh, they've made up new names for inflation. They call it temporary and transitory and other things rather than inflation. And in my mind, uh, what we're seeing right now is going to be a, uh, an increase in prices. We're having to pay more people to work. So no matter what industry you're in, that's going to result in higher consumer prices. It doesn't matter whether it's food, gas, or all the other things. So that's, that's my uh, talk on uh, inflation and the Democrat narrative. They're starting to blame others, people, everybody and everything, but their own policies. And then the second thing, Joe, this is specifically for you and, and maybe Steve there. Uh, I listened to uh, Como's speech yesterday, and I have to say it was rather intrig intriguing to me. But what got me the most was when he was speaking about how he handled COVID so successfully. He used in just two sentences, I don't think they were right back to back, but they were very close together. He used the word, it was an ambush and an attack when referring to the COVID outbreak in New York. Did you catch that, Joe? No, I didn't hear his speech. As a matter of fact, I was out of touch yesterday afternoon, and I, I wasn't aware that he had uh, turned in his resignation until later in the afternoon, so I didn't hear his speech. And I didn't see well, that part of it covered this morning on the news. Exactly. And that's my point. He referred to the COVID outbreak as an ambush in an attack. And I thought that was kind of interesting that it wasn't covered. I hadn't been paying close attention, but I was catching news on and off the rest of the day. And I never heard those sound bites, which I do believe were rather significant. And I, I was just wondering what you think the motive was for using that. Was he just trying to make himself out as the victim? And he decided to use those words? Well, I think he believed that it was a attack. I think he did try to make himself out as the victim, at least in the cuts I heard. And admittedly, I did not hear his entire address. Steve may have heard it and may have arrived at a different conclusion. But it did seem to me he was trying to portray himself as the victim here, uh, at least as somebody seriously out of touch with how mores have changed in this country. He said he was brought up as a kisser and a hugger, and, you know, he didn't intend to offend anybody. Uh, although he hasn't expressed any real contrition, and he hasn't apologized to any of the women that I've heard, uh, that he assaulted or is accused of assaulting. So, well, um, Mike, what what did he what do you, what do you think he meant when he referred to COVID as an ambush and an attack? That's the question that uh, people smarter than me need to answer. I mean, he specifically has to answer it himself. But I just thought that was very unusual because uh, a year ago, maybe even more than a year ago, anybody that referred to this as coming from the lab and being deliberately spread by China was a Trump cult member and a conspiracy theorist and a nut, and we had 500 renowned scientists willing to sign the letter and say the exact thing. Well, well I don't know why yeah. he's not being held accountable for that statement. Well, it could be that all he meant, really, was that as a um, elected official with certain responsibilities, that uh, however it began, um, the whole coronavirus thing kind of came out of the blue. Maybe that's all he meant. That, uh, yeah. you know, I mean, governors, I mean, Joe's a mayor, uh, you know, they, they have certain responsibilities. And all of a sudden you dump or you, you add a pandemic. Uh, maybe that's all he meant.
Uh, well, I, it might be that sounds reasonable too. Yeah, it could have been. I didn't hear. I didn't hear the speech. Uh, I will tell you. I I was not surprised that he uh, resigned. I guess thought this guy's just got no no choice. And uh, I didn't. You know, as far as the speech, let's face it. In a situation like that, you know, you're gonna. You're going to use your last m- moment in the public spotlight to defend yourself, make yourself look like, uh, you could say, make yourself look like a victim. But, um, yeah, you know, to me, that's just water under the bridge. I mean, I like I said, I absolutely thought he was going to resign. Um, I'm not going to say whether it was the right or wrong thing to do. It was interesting, though. I was talking very briefly to two of my uh, Republican friends uh, who are originally from New York State, and they were surprised. They uh, expressed uh, surprise that he uh, resigned. They thought he was going to fight it. I just thought, you know, they kept saying on the news, he has, he has no allies. And I thought, you know, when I heard that, I thought, yeah, this guy's gone. Well, he didn't well, they have made any... Him an- they made him an offer he could not refuse, and uh, at, for doing this, he does have a, a future uh, in public life with the Democrat Party. He'll probably come out as a reformed uh, hero uh, later, but I just want to revisit. He called it an attack and an ambush. Yeah. I didn't say, I didn't hear him say, you know, blaming Trump for a failure to act and he had to save the day or any of that other stuff. He, he called it an attack in an ambush, and I, I am not willing to let that go. I want to know why he chose those words yeah, and, right. I, and, a, and a reasonable explanation. And so far, it's been ignored by the media, and I haven't heard one yet today. Well, I, you know, if, you, if you've got a computer, just go on there and look it up, and I'm, you can probably find something. Uh, as far as a future in public life, uh, everything that I have heard is that the General Assembly in New York State may, continu- may continue to pursue impeachment proceedings against Cuomo, which I believe would preclude him from ever seeking... If he's convicted. Yeah. If he's convicted. Uh, but the issue is that there are other things. They're still being investigated for the nursing home issue. He's still being investigated for whether or not he improperly used public employees to write his book and to gain financial uh, success from that enterprise. So, I mean, there's still ongoing investigations that could impact him going down the road. Uh, You know, I I would never say never, but, well, I'll tell you what, as I sit here today, I got to believe you're not going to you're not going to hear of Andrew Cuomo in. public life. I think what's more interesting is what's going to happen to his brother. I mean, his brother is, you know, CNN's put him on vacation this week, and he's uh, he's really, I think, crossed the line. The line's blurring uh, where a journalist should really be and where he was. I mean, he really, in in working on his brother's defense and in effect being his brother's mouthpiece on the air on CNN every night, I think that's a tremendous embarrassment to that particular network. Well, again, I'm just... Go ahead, Mike. That is sta- that is standard. I mean, let's get real here. That is standard operating procedure for CNN to be uh, cheerleaders for the Democrat left. I mean, that, yeah, we can point him out as a as guilty, but I mean, the whole rest. I mean, listen to Jim Acosta and the rest of them. And it, that, I, I'm going to finish up here. Okay. I do not believe he uh, Como is finished. You have to look back 
at the number of, I call them gray panthers, people like myself that originally, and this isn't me, my particular case, I'm a gray panther, but I did not support Trump. I mean, I did support him, but there were a lot of people that supported Trump originally and voted for him in 2016. And then the pandemic came, and they hung on every word that Cuomo said, and it convinced these gray panthers that had voted for Trump to change their tune and go ahead and vote for Biden this time around. And and in the swing states where all of us old people live mainly, they were the ones that made the election uh, favorable for Biden, and that's why Trump lost, and a lot of it credit goes to Como, but they okay. could not have him run against Kamala Harris, so that's the reason I believe he was taken out. Okay. But, as a, as a useful idiot before, they can use him again, and that's why I don't think they're going to destroy him completely. i got to ask you, Bob, uh, I'm sorry, Mike, where are you walking? It's very noisy where you are. We're having trouble hearing you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, I, I, I should have stopped. Uh, your, your, uh, your guy there, Rob, told me to stop, and I didn't. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm at the, the Bloomsburg High School, and the kids are practicing band, oh, okay. the soccer team's on one field, and the field hockey team's on another, so okay. it's kind of a busy place, so I have stopped, and I do apologize. That's okay, so listen, we, but just it sounded oh, yeah. like you were in the middle of a riot somewhere. Hey, thanks for your call, Mike. We really appreciate yeah, it. I, and I appreciate your time. Thank you so Take much. Take care. Bye. one 800 Email us at onthemarkatwkok.com. Bob from Sinus, you're on the mark this morning. Yeah, good morning. I was calling, uh, I don't have the mark of the beast on me, I got the vaccination, but uh, I was calling about the uh, mask in the schools. I think uh, unvaccinated people should still wear them until they're able to be vaccinated. And if, uh, you know, a Milton School District, I'm in Northumberland County, I think anybody that doesn't want to wear a mask needs to sign a waiver saying they're not going to sue when their child gets COVID and dies. You know, that's that's not a likely scenario. Let's face it. The kids don't generally get that sick. But, you know, the real the the issue is and, and, you know, I, I think back and I'll try to make this brief. I think back to a conversation that uh, Mr. McGranahan and I had uh, on this show months and months and months ago, and I've, I, we were talking about wearing masks in a grocery store. And Joe said, hey, if you don't want to wear a mask in a grocery store, no, I think Joe said, if you feel nervous about going to a grocery store because there might be people without masks, Joe said, you can stay home and they'll deliver your groceries to you. And I thought about that ever since. As always, you know, you think of things later, you should have said. And I should have said then, Joe, you got it exactly backwards. If people don't want to wear a mask to go to the grocery store, they're the ones who need to stay home. You know, if they want to threaten public health, they're the ones who should stay home. As far as parents and their kids going to school, if they got a problem with their child wearing a mask, don't tell, don't bellow to the school board that they have no right to issue these mandates. Keep your child at home if that's what you want to do. But don't, uh, you know, you got no well, right but to... But bear in mind that that's, that's found to be very bad for the kids. I mean, the, the kids yeah. suffered greatly from the fact that they were forced not to be in class, not to associate with their friends, not to have those interactions that's with right. the teachers. But now they can. And now all they, they have to do is wear a mask. Exactly. But they don't have to wear a mask because around here, most of our school districts are finding that it's up to the parents to decide. And that's the way it should be. The that's parents should the decide. the school districts Wait. that are making that decision. 
but they're the deciding. The CDC is recommending that masks be worn in large. But they weren't. Year, months ago, they were telling us that if we were fully vaccinated, we didn't need to wear a mask. Right. I think if the and teachers... the thing is, nobody, not everybody got vaccinated. If everybody would have got vaccinated, it would be a big difference. But the teachers' unions are saying they're recommending to their teachers that they get vaccinated. So if the teachers are vaccinated, if the school employees are vaccinated, why do the kids need to do something more? If, you if know, It's the theory, same thing as a drunk driver. You're, go, you're going out on the highway, you know you are got something deadly that can kill somebody and uh you kill somebody you're going to be charged for a dui and uh you're going to go for like i don't know five years in jail for killing somebody but you do the same thing to people that don't get vaccinated and they go out and kill somebody you're as bad as that school board member who had to apologize for saying that a kid going to school without a mask would be likely to commit murder if he gave the disease to somebody else he had to apologize and i they're calling for his resignation it's a parental responsibility to determine how, how, what kind of safety they think their kid needs. It doesn't need to be mandated by the school district. We can't protect everybody from themselves. What we should do is educate people, tell them what the odds are, what, what the ramifications are, but then it's their decision what to do. Well, maybe, is it the responsibility of the governor? I mean, uh, you know, your your Yeah, buddy, the governor has given state employees now a free day off for getting vaccinated. You know, and, and I, was, I was referring to Florida. We, you know, how about down there? We got this gov. We got this governor. Well, the thing is, there's 90 percent of people in the hospitals today on COVID because they did not get the COVID vaccination. 90 percent. Our hospitals are going to soon be overwhelmed. People are really tired of it. You know, it's it's so very simple to just go and get the vaccine. I mean. It's not going to kill you. I've had the vaccine since February or March of this year. Well, so have I, and I'm still living, and too. And if I can get a booster soon, I'm going to get one. But here's the thing. The, the, the government cannot tell you to get a vaccine. They cannot require it. Uh, I understand private employers can, and Dr. Fauci predicted that once they get final approval of these vaccines, that municipalities federal, and state governments... Uh, federal can make federal workers get it. Right. But they it's can not, make the military get it. They can't tell you to get it. If you're a private citizen, they cannot force right. you to get and it. That's fine. Get medication. And, and, if, you know, and if somebody uh, feels that strongly, by all means, move into your basement call the grocery store they'll send your groceries over uh but you know joe <laughs> you know that you're missing the point here that we we typically in this country have quarantined the people who are sick not the people who are healthy you know i don't care what we have normally done for oh, i do we, i'm we sure try you do to joe. Keep people alive you know joe you this know this hasn't happened since 1920 exactly no it was 1918 well whatever year Something it was like that. <laughs> I'm glad you, know, you were alive then. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite, but I almost made it. <laughs> you know, I, it, it just, but I I'm guess... just saying, you know, Go ahead. People, people need to man up, take responsibility for themselves. Right. You know, now we're in make agreement. America, you know, build it back better, like Biden's saying, and <laughs> look at that infrastructure bill they just passed. I mean, things are going to start changing for everyone, not just the 1%, yes, which we need to change the 1% and, we're gonna and make an, them pay their fair We're going to have inflation like you wouldn't believe, Bob. Hey, thanks and the for reason, <laughs> the reason Donald Trump lost was he lied about the pandemic and 450,000 people died on his watch. And he he's That's the one that Trump we owe the lost. vaccine that you're touting to. It's yeah, and maybe, to Donald, maybe Donald well, Trump. Hey, uh, give, him, give him credit for the vaccine if we'll get somebody to take the vaccine. Well, he urged people to take it. I have it. no problem well, with that. I don't that. know. I don't know. I think but urged. I'm going to say that Moderna <laughs> did not take any money or any advice from Trump 
when or they anybody got else. Their no, vaccine, they did a good so. job. Hey, thanks. We got to go, Bob. Thank you for your call. We have to take a quick break. We'll be right back. 1 800 795 9565. Email us at onthemarketwkok.com. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Welcome back to On the Mark. I'm Joe McGranahan, along with Steve Kushaloff. Our good friend Mark Lawrence has the, uh, the, not the day off, but he has this show off this morning. And speaking of a show off, here's Than. Good morning, Than. You're on the mark. <laughs> Let me dance. Let me dance. Uh, good morning, and good to hear you, Steve. Thank you, Than. Uh, always love it when you're on. You keep Joe in check somewhat. Try. I have one, I have one uh, bridge question, and then a statement, if I may. Uh, the bridge question is for you, Joe. What's the lighting going to be like on that bridge? It's going to be lit. Uh, while the t- one township was going to was willing to pay for the lighting, another township on the other side was not. Uh, PennDOT reviewed the situation and came to the conclusion that they needed to have the bridge lit, just because of its size and height. And so they are paying for the lighting. Okay. That uh, I when I travel under the bridge in the boat. I noticed there are kind of little kickouts every few hundred feet, and I thought probably that's where the light poles would go, but I wasn't sure. Uh, Joe, did you get one of those little scratchy things on your arm before you went to school? Little scratchy things? You mean a smallpox vaccine? Yeah. Yeah, we all did. That was was government mandated, and you did that, huh? Well, sure. Why Why do you say then? that the government can't mandate in, uh, a shot. Well, let's put it th- this way. Maybe the government can, but I don't know how, if someone wanted to challenge it, nobody wanted to challenge smallpox. You recall how dangerous that was. The fatality rate was far, far higher than COVID-19. And so the society did have a vested interest in stopping people from dying, and it, large, it affected children in a large proportion. Here we have a, vac- uh, have a disease that doesn't tend to affect children in as great a numbers as it does adults, and adults no, are fully no, capable of making no, the decision I, for themselves. i got to stop you right there because the statistics show that 19% of new COVID virus cases are in children under, I think, 18. Nineteen percent, Joe. Yeah. Okay, but uh, you lost your argument. There but how many? How many does the nineteen percentages are one thing? Numbers are another. What's the actual number? I 
degrees. I don't know. The percentage is more important than the number. No, not really. The number is more important than the percentage. If there are only 10 new cases and 19% of them are bad, or kids, that's one thing. But if there are 2 million cases, if there are 2 million cases and 19% are kids, that's another story entirely. Well, take a look at what Florida's vaccine vaccine rate is, number one. And what's the death rate, then? It's like 0.09? Oh, no. No, no, no. I mean, I understand in your world of comfort, love, and Trump, you can make those <laughs> things up, but that's not right. Well, what is the death rate? If you're saying I'm wrong, that's what I heard. It sticks in my I, mind. I just, I actually, I have the TV set on in front of me, and I can read the underlying news things, so I kind of know what's going on in the world. And, and that's when they just flash through. Now, they didn't tell me... Uh, the death rate, but we know, do know that Flores hospitals are jammed to the top, and whatever that is, that is their govern- governor, doesn't care about his population. He, compare, uh, he worries about running for president in two years. Uh, he's not announced. You're, you're no, making it sound like the guy's making political decisions, oh. and that's a fact, not in evidence. Well, it well, is really, it is in evidence. evidence. Have you not been watching? Uh, yeah, I mean, this is the guy, DeSantis, who won. He won some kind of a presidential straw poll, I think at CPAC. Yes, that's right. Right. This is a guy who wants to be president. There is no doubt about and, it. And, and isn't he running, isn't the guy in the White House, hasn't he also announced he wants to run? Does that mean he's making only political decisions? Yeah, I just love it. How do we get from... This is why you know. No, I'm just asking. You're saying that Ron DeSantis is making these political decisions, but then you're not saying the guy in the White House who's already announced he is running for re-election. That's not the issue. That isn't even the issue. It is. You know, I'll tell you what. If folks don't ever, don't ever get in a car with Joe McGranahan. He is a safe driver, I'm sure. But if you get in a car with Joe expecting to go to, let's say, Harrisburg or Carlisle, you're probably going to have to make a detour through Erie and Pittsburgh. Okay, back to the subject. Uh, This is a guy, clearly, who wants to be uh, president, the the straw poll, the whole thing, and he is putting his own political interest ahead of the safety of children. Uh, Yeah, that's that's great. You make it sound like, oh, we're going to kill the children because we're not going to do what I think this should be done. Governor DeSantis has not stopped anybody from wearing a mask. He's made it their choice whether to wear it. That's right. This is a free country the last time I looked. You're going to tell me I've got to wear a mask. No, but you're also... But you tell me I have to stop at a stop sign? That's a governmental rule sure. that I usually but follow. But the, the, the only time you stop at a stop sign, then is when there's a cop there to enforce it. Oh. Otherwise, you can roll right through it. Oh. <laughs> you, I, yeah, now I understand. You were brought up in the city, so you learned to drive in the city which is, means you crawl around through stop signs. No, I'm just saying that the, no, law is, no law is valid unless there's someone there to enforce it. That's the point. Here, let me just okay. read one quick, quick number for you two guys. This is from the Atlantic Magazine. In the oh, la- well, in, there's a source well, for you. Well, I'm sorry it's not Newsmax or uh, the pillow guy. They have big words in there. I know. It says here, in the, in the last week of July... Last week of July, nearly 72,000 new coronavirus cases were reported in kids, almost 
a fifth of all the total known infections in the United States. So it's not 10. Mortality rate? I, do, I haven't come to that yet. Well, well let's get to it. Right, that's, the, so that's the bottom line. Sure. So as long as my grandson doesn't die, I don't care if he is sitting in a hospital with a tube halfway down his throat. But is the that whole what po- you're saying? The whole point of this is that if you got the vaccine, and many of the 12, from 12 and up, you can get it. Yes. And those people are not dying. The, Dr. Fauci even says that the, they aren't going to die. They're, they might get sick, but they're not going to die. Be that as it may. Wait, can I interject something? It's just like saying that we've got to keep people. We don't want kids to get a cold. We don't want kids to get the flu. We don't want kids to get anything. But it's still their parents' decision as to what safety measures the kids need to take. That is a parent's responsibility. That is their obligation to do what they think is necessary to protect their child. Sure. And all I'm saying it's is... It's not government's responsibility to tell you I'm cradle to grave is, how to behave. And I've been... All I'm saying, Joe, if I can possibly get a word in edgewise, is that if that is the parent's decision, fine. Keep your child at home. If exactly. you're, Why? Why do I have to keep my child at home? If, because I make a decision about his health that's my decision to make. Because science, there's a big word for you, Joe. Why don't you keep your science, kid at home if you don't no, want him to wear a no, mask? Because science has said without the mask, it is easier to spread the uh, the coronavirus, and now that we've got this and they Delta shut down, variant, they shut down gyms, and now they find the gyms are no more likely to spread the cause of the virus than any place else. There has been so much off to the side again. No, yeah. I'm just saying you're talking about spreading the disease. There's so much misinformation about how it spreads, where it spreads. At first, they thought if we touched something, we were going to get it. Then they That's said wear a mask. Then don't science. wear a mask. Science. That's science. not science. That's guesswork. Oh no. There is no there is no science science that shows there is no science that shows, no study that shows yet the efficacy of kids under the age of twelve wearing masks. There is no science. So Joe but not where you might find it in Mad Magazine or whatever. Well, where, where did you find it? Give me the study you read because I haven't found it and I've heard Doctor Fauci even admit that there's no science on it. That they haven't well, spent the money to research it. Okay. Uh, where, where did you see this study, Than? Give me the study. I, I have seen it in our local newspaper, and I've heard it on CBS News Radio, and I don't remember exact numbers, but I do remember that kids and adults who get the coronavirus and get really sick, they may never be totally normal again. I've got adult friends who can't remember things because they had corona last year. They still have problems putting thoughts together. To me, that's more serious than some dumbo saying, well, I'm not going to let my kid wear a mask because I am a man. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And, you know, there's a very good point right here in this article, Joe. It says, okay, like you're saying, kids are at lower risk. As it says right here, lower risk does not mean no risk. No, I'm not going to argue that with you. But again, it's a per- parent's decision as That's to what fine. risk they're willing I to accept. I understand that, and I'm not disagreeing with you. The only question that I have, it's interesting how we continue to lower and lower and lower uh, who's supposed to have authority. Right, you know, the right-wingers have said for years, oh, education should be up to the local school board. Okay, well, here's all these local school boards saying uh, kids are going to wear masks. No, 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 local school board, you can't say that. So we're going to lower the uh, responsibility. 
responsibility again. Well, I'm not certain that school districts should make that call, but I'm not certain they shouldn't. I'm willing to concede that point. However, but here's the thing. In the end, I don't think their decision should trump a parent's. If a parent wants to opt their kid out of that requirement, that should be their right thing. we got to move along. Thanks for your call. It's always fun to talk to you, buddy. Take care. we got to take a quick break. 1-800-795-9565. Email us at onthemarkatwkok.com. <laughs> Welcome back to On the Mark. I'm Joe McGranahan with Steve Kushaloff. 1-800-795-9565. That's our toll-free hotline number. Email us at onthemark at wkok.com. One of our emailers says, thank you, gentlemen. This will probably be the most important news that I've heard on WKOK today. Thank you for the update on the bridge and the route through the area. Please, please put it on your WKOK program schedule again and again. It is so much more important than opinions. Well, I disagree with you on that. Oh, yeah, well, you know, see, he did make one mistake. Mistake. He's, this this writer should have said it's so much more important than Joe McGranahan's opinions. <laughs> Very funny. Listen, I don't think in the bot the bottom line here to me, just to me, is that parents have the right to make a decision about what their kids will and won't do. If we start taking that away from them, if the government's going to start raising our children, we're back in Nazi Germany where we have Liebens, uh, well, I forget what they called it, uh, where they, they had mass amounts of babies produced and the state would raise them. That's not the way we want to go in this country. That's not what a free country does. You're right as a parent to determine the fate of your child and how your child survives in this world, whether or not they you leave them in the backseat of a car or whether you're good parent and you make sure that they're safe at all times, that unfortunately, whether you like it or not, is your decision. I'm, nobody nobody, disagree, nobody disagrees with that. But I you don't do. You, you want to tell me how to raise my child no, and what I, I should do with my child. Good Lord, Joe, you're doing it again. All I'm saying is, it is your decision. If you don't feel comfortable with your child wearing a mask in school, we have a call coming in. Go then ahead. you keep the child home. But the, the, you can't keep the child home. The child has to have an education. Exactly right. So then you've got a decision to make. Okay. So my child with a mask on is sitting next to your child with no mask on. If your child isn't sick, what's the damage? Hey. If your child starts to cough and sneeze, what are you going to do? Are you going to keep them home? Right. That's and what you do. You don't send them in and tell me to send my kid home because your kid is sick and your kid wants to go to school. You keep your kid home. Yeah, if your child is sick, you keep your child home. But with this crazy uh, COVID variant, crying out loud, Joe, we don't know who's sick and who's not. You have been vaccinated. I have been vaccinated. So you think a parent? You think as a parent, I'm so irresponsible. If I thought my kid was exposed to the virus or my kid was sick, that I would send him to school just so I could infect your kid? Uh, yes, I do think you okay, would. Okay, well, you have no faith in human nature. No, Cindy, you're on the mark this morning. Wow, this conversation is just really headed off into the ditch. And I'd like to remind everyone who's talking and calling in that it's school is out of session and that young people could be listening to this conversation. And is this how we want to teach them to interact in a debate? Calling each other names. And Nobody called anybody names. 
What did I, I call Joe? Somebody, I believe somebody called someone a Dumbo. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't think so. Maybe I misheard that. The An earlier uh, caller called you, Joe, a Dumbo. Oh, oh maybe that fan. <laughs> well, I think callers get a little overboard. The the only thing I called Joe today, I said Joe is a safe driver. I just I said, never said you said he was calling names. I'm saying in general the conversation. Oh yeah, general you're... conversation. It's it it has it is reaching a level of exaggeration and hysteria that is really counterproductive. Counterproductive. Well, okay, I so realize we're... that people have passions, but just like that school board member who said that children were committing murder. Now I'm sure she had good intent, mm. but that was irresponsible speech reckless speech and she's had to take it back I have and all I'm asking us all to remember is children could be listening to this show I that's have, what I'm asking I have one question now, Mark Cindy. I mean one. Joe I have to correct you about something and I'm I don't know if you're aware of this but the government does actually force people to be vaccinated they force all the children who attend public school right. whether they attend it in person or in a cyber environment to be vaccinated and they force them to go through a schedule of vaccination, right. many of them, like 16 or more. Um, when we were kids, it was more like five. So there, there has been a precedent where the government, because schools represent government, and schools have this authority through the state to force children to be vaccinated. And a, a couple years ago, this became quite the to-do because they added, they, the state, added more uh, injections to the schedule of shots that you had to have and then uh, we're going to deny children admission to school at the beginning of the school year unless they had complied with all those shots right right so the government does force people to now there are in Pennsylvania there are exceptions if it if it could harm the child wherein a kid is uh, sick and has a poor immunologic system or religious reasons or people who have religious reasons, right? And I don't see why we can't respect that. <laughs> don't understand the uh, the anger, the uh, hostility, the vitriol coming out of people who can't respect their neighbors' desires about what they do with their own body. I mean, I I'm just stunned. You have each of us has the alternative to protect ourselves. We have every right to do that. Every right to do that. But you don't have the right to protect yourself by forcing things on your neighbors. You don't have the right to do that. I agree. You have the right to be in your house. You have the right to order groceries. You have the right to communicate electronically with people rather than actually communicating with them face-to-face. -face. But you don't have the right to force healthy people to remain at home for your convenience. I, I think that's an outrageous proposition let me I, I, the only question I have and this goes back to the uh, level of discussion that we've been having on uh, on the mark today uh, Cindy do you think or don't you think there is a entertainment element to talk radio or should be an entertainment element to talk radio that may be true and I guess the, my problem is I don't find that name-calling and vitriol entertaining. I, and, and in this issue where it's, it's, it is putting out false or misleading information about a critical issue in our country, I find it damaging. 
that's just me. And yeah. do I have a knob on my radio? I certainly do. No, but I and I certainly okay. can't turn it off if, like, I don't watch. Uh, WWE wrestling, and I don't watch <laughs> fights because right. I think that I think that is all obscene. Now, in do, my opinion, to the, I don't watch that stuff. Some people find it engaging to watch people bash sure. the crap out of each other. I don't. Well, listen, I, I I still think this come. I come down on the side of parents being responsible for how their children are raised and what their children become, and whether or not they Amen feel safe, that. and whether or not they feel safe in what their children are doing. That to me is a parent's responsibility, and I don't want to take that away from the parent. And I don't think they should be punished because they make a decision that I might not like politically. Well, and we've run into that problem with forced vaccination through the schools. Some years ago, you might remember that Governor Perry of Texas tried to force a vaccination that had just been invented, developed on the children in his public school. And the argument against this forced vaccination was that sitting at that desk the illness this sought to prevent would in no way threaten the child to your left, to your right, in front of you or behind you. That would never happen sitting at a desk in school, passing in the hallway in school. It, and so while the enthusiasm, and I think that they made a terrible mistake, frankly, the pro-mass uh, vaccination people, when they tried to force yet another vaccination through, because then they caused... Um, if you will, the eye of Sharon. You, they caused the people to take another look at this. People had had blind faith in vaccination, essentially, up until then. But that provoked people to take a look at this, and then people began to go, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's no way that my kid is going to catch human papillomavirus sitting at a desk. That's just not going to happen. But the people who are enthusiastic that every vaccine that's developed should be forced on children because at least at this point the government has put in place a chain of events that does that that forces children to have everything they invent you know that and certainly from my perspective in that case in that case that was that shot was um he forced that because of political reasons. Cindy, he had me. a major we have, donor from that to, company. Cindy, I'm sorry. We have to take a break, and we have another okay. caller. Thank Thanks. you so much for your comments. Bye. We always appreciate them. 1-800-795-9565. Email us at onthemarketwkok.com. Take our last break of the day, and then we have a caller standing by. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over one years, the Mirth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way. The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Welcome back to On the Mark. I'm Joe McGranham with Steve Kushaloff. 1-800-795-9565 is our toll-free number. Fast dialer, speedy dialers, as Mark says. But we have Al on the line. We're ready to go. Good morning, Al. Morning. A couple of facts about the uh, the cloth mask. They're unhygienic, especially for small children. 
and you know you're holding in the germs right up against your mouth and they cough in them and they sneeze in then they're in hygienic on hygienic and anyways uh i told you about the microns the micron is one for the covid virus and then 95 can only stop down to a four threes will go right on through so that's like throwing marbles at somebody through a chain link fence if you remember that allergy analogy no i'm afraid and, i don't but go ahead <laughs> and uh it's it's not approved the vaccination isn't approved yet so how can they force you know people if the studies aren't but dr dr fauci expects the final approval will be sometime this week or early next week and there you go it's still not approved and they're getting the cart before the horse so are you going to get the vaccine once it's approved al i've already talked to my doctor my um priest and um i decided to get the moderna way way a long time ago okay and um it's it's not for everybody the the shot isn't for everybody if you already had covid there's no real reason to get the shot, and it could be detrimental. See, I just don't know. Let me. Can stuff. I just throw one thing in here, real quick? Sure. If you are a sports fan, the quarterback of the Baltimore Ravens had COVID, got over it, didn't get the vaccine, and then he got COVID again. Hmm. Well, that's uh, one in a million, is what I found out. That's not happening that often Fauci even said it himself but again you take certain precautions based on what you believe I believe that Dr. Fauci and President Biden when they told me if I got the vaccine I didn't need to wear a mask that's what they told me now they're telling me something different and people are saying to me well you're not being patriotic because you're not following what they say and I'm following what they said that's right and this whole this whole coronavirus brand new Joe we never knew a thing about it okay Alan I'm sorry we're out of time on the program. Steve Kushaloff, thank you very much for joining me today while Mark did something else. You're going to be back in with me next week, a day or two, right? I'm looking forward to it. Uh, we'll do battle then on all the other important issues. Mark will be back tomorrow. Thanks so much for listening to On the Mark. This is WKOK Sunbury.